0: Philip Yancey compared the Christian life to rock climbing. In big wall climbing, you ascend rock faces by using free climbing skills and attaching ropes along the way for safety. And As you go, you find the best ledges, nooks, or crannies to lift yourself up. This all works great until the moment when you are halfway up a granite slab and you look up and there is no ledge. There is nothing to grab hold of. At this point, you can either go back down, or you can try something called a pendulum. The pendulum is a technique in rock climbing where you lower yourself on your rope a few feet down from the highest point of contact. This gives you room to run or swing yourself across the rock face to another part where there are ledges and grips to climb. And once you and your team get there, you attach your ropes to the rock, you pull the rope free from the previous area, and you continue your climb. But here's the deal. At this point, you have closed the door behind you. You can no longer go back down the way you came. It is out of your reach. The only way to go now is up. I'm Garrett Huxford, this is the Trenches Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Trenches Podcast. This is a midweek podcast that is loosely related to our weekend services here at Lake Springs Church in Holly Springs, North Carolina. And uh, I'm your host, Garrett Huxford, and today we have my wife, Megan Huxford, here with us to talk to us about what one of our women's Bible studies has been going through uh, for the last several weeks now. And um, Megan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs)
0: Thanks for being here. I, I think everyone's gonna be happy to hear that you're part of the show, by the way. So well, I hope so. Just just know that. You're well, get
1: uh, most people that I talk to like me more than they like you. Yes. So.
0: You're gonna get a lot of compliments that you did not ask for. So mm. So what were you reading before when I came home before was, the show?
1: I was reading The Poet's Corner by John Lithgow.
0: Yep, it's a new book she got. And for those of you who don't know his name, know him from the name, John Lithgow is an actor yeah i know oh okay he's but what's he's most known for 30 rock
1: or third rock from the sun he's <laughs> yes it's, the sun.
0: yes he's the well i don't know if he's the dad because they're all aliens i think they just got yeah they just got bodies but he's yeah. who you'd consider as the dad mm-hmm. of the family the he was also i think in cliffhanger who sylvester stallone was in that movie i think he was in was he the bad guy
1: I don't know, you're not talking to John right now, so you're not going to be able to get any feedback on your movie commentary.
0: All right, well, so you um, were leading a women's Bible study at the moment, you're, you're not, but how did the, the women's Bible study that you're a part of get started, and when is it, first of all, when is it, and how did people become a part of it?
1: Uh, it meets on Wednesday nights. Um, we meet at two different homes. Your Bible
0: study meets on Wednesday nights? No. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat>
1: we meet on Monday nights.
0: <laughs> I thought, wow, what am I doing every Monday night by myself? Okay. Um.
1: <laughs> uh, we meet on Monday night at 7.30. Um
0: after most of the kids in the families go to bed,
1: <laughs> yes. well, our kids are not in bed yet. But well, I so I was the one who um, I started the Bible study, so I got to pick the day and time, and I picked a time that was easiest for me to do it. Um, and for people who have young kids like me, I think it's a little bit more convenient to do it at a time that's after dinner time, and at a time when hopefully your kids are about to go to bed at least, so the dad isn't having to do. So much work if he's at home putting the kids to bed and such.
0: Right. And for our family, I mean, we are just, we are, I mean, I think every family's busy. Um, we just, we have life group and whatever. So for our family, what we've just laid out for ourselves is Monday night is a night where you go get to see people, and Tuesday night's where I get to go see people. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's, that's just kind of how we do it. You have decided to go do a Bible study with your friends, and I I've decided to go hang out with strangers on a Tuesday <laughs> night. So that's that's how we uh, budget our time. So um, so what have you guys been... Um, is there room for more people to join the Bible study?
1: Yeah, there is. We, we meet in living rooms right now, and so, I mean, some days it's pretty full in there, but if we got to a point where, you know, we didn't have enough seats for people, we might have to look into, like, Seen if we can meet at the church instead or something, but we're you know we're definitely open for more people to come, and we'll you know stay in the living room until we grow out of it.
0: But at the moment, you're at two different houses, so you do have to be somewhat in the know how, yep. how to get to the Bible study. Yeah, ready. well,
1: if anybody does want to join us, um, you can email me or text me. I, I think my email's on the website. I was uh, told that groups, our website was updated, although I haven't yeah. actually checked. And um, we we communicate through a group me, which is like just a group text, so that yeah, so that the, there's an event created, so that you can see exactly where it is with the address in there, so you know where you're going, and you also can RSVP, so we know how many people are going to be there, and and what the Bible reading is for that week.
0: All right, sounds great. Um, Monday night, seven thirty. Uh, so you guys uh, spent a couple weeks going through what book of the Bible?
1: We recently finished going through Hebrews, but it, we took um, probably 12 weeks to get through it. Oh, did maybe you? Maybe 10 weeks. Yeah, it was it was a good long while we were in it. But
0: Okay. See, this is something I found really fun for our church in doing this podcast is um, pre- previously we've had John who leads our men's breakfast thing, and they've been going through... They went through Romans for a long time, and then have been are gone through First Corinthians, and you guys went through Hebrews. And what's fun for me is because the church is a spiritual thing, right? Like there's uh, one of my favorite images in the Bible is that we are all living stones being built into this mm. building that God is building. And what that always brings to mind for me is these stones that are moving around. So like they we're somehow we're connected to the church, but we're also leaving and going throughout our lives and so you have like these sort of octopus arms going all throughout the town that you're a part of mm-hmm. and we have people going into schools and into different businesses and into different neighborhoods and different whatever uh, but one of the things that they're moving on doing is is going to be part of Bible studies and so part of part of us being what's feeding our church is, the book of Hebrews through this one avenue, the book of First Corinthians through this other other avenue, and even though not everyone in our church is participating in that specific way, um, it is feeding our church spiritually because it's a whole thing, like it's a it's a spiritual entity that it's it's uh, you'd love for everyone to do all of it, but they can't. But the fact that it's being done by some people in different places in different ways is a benefit to all of us, I think, and so. Um, I just would love for you to share some of the thoughts and insights that you guys got from Hebrews with the rest of our church and mm-hmm. talk to us talk to us what about what is the book of Hebrews about? Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, we well, we chose to read the Book of Hebrews because we'd actually been through a lot of Old Testament books before we did Hebrews. Okay. I think we'd only read Old Testament books before that. and um, oh, like what? We read um we read a portion of Jeremiah. We spent a while there. We read Zephaniah. Ha- Zephaniah okay. No, maybe not. We might have read Zechariah. <laughs> Zechariah and Haggai and yeah.
0: Did y'all do Ruth? Or no?
1: Yes. We did. Okay. Anyway, so we'd done several Old Testament books and we were kind of ready to do a New Testament book and um someone had suggested doing Hebrews because it's kind of a bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament, which um uh it really was. And so that was really I think an interesting way to to think about, you know, going into the New Testament picking Hebrews, you right. know, instead of picking like a gospel or something, but the author of Hebrews is making the case that um the old covenant, you know, everything that had come before the New Testament is now uh, superseded by by Christ and by the new covenant that He has instituted. And so He goes through several parts of the old covenant, or even parts of you know the history of Israel, and just shows how, in in many different ways, Christ has um, been placed. Uh, Before all of those things or above all of those things.
0: When you say that the New Testament supersedes what came before it, you're not just saying that in sort of a a small way. Like the the author of Hebrews addresses some big time parts of the Old Testament, major parts of it, and says Jesus is now a better version Mm -hmm. of this. What are some of those things that he says that were great, but Jesus is even better?
1: Well, one of the first things he says is that um, Jesus is superior to the angels.
0: Right. The angels.
1: Okay. So that's a big thing. (laughs) Yes. Um, The next is that Jesus is greater than Moses. And Moses was considered just like the greatest person to ever have lived. He was the only one. He was described as the friend of God. He got to meet with God um, almost face to face. And so the Jews regarded him with such high esteem, higher than anybody yeah. else. And he's saying, Moses is great. Jesus is greater, mm-hmm. greater than Moses.
0: Right. It was it was written in the Old Testament. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, in the parts of the, in, in Deuteronomy, which is part of what's considered to be written by Moses, mm-hmm. although you can imagine someone put this in later, but... Uh, it says that he was the most humble man that's ever lived. Right. <laughs> and he was the greatest man that, that, that yeah. there's still never been someone like Moses to arise in the people of Israel. And mm. and I mean he I mean he is just it's hard to imagine in our minds how much esteem they had for Moses. Because mm-hmm. you you immediately go to someone like Abraham think, man, Abraham was amazing and and you think um, like the lady in the New Testament goes, do you think you're better than our father Jacob who built this well? And Jacob's one of the mm-hmm. patriarchs. He's amazing, this whole thing. But Moses, I mean, he is, no one in the Old Testament even touches what Moses did for, mm-hmm. for God and <laughs> the sort of burden he carried. And, and the Hebrews goes, and he's better than Moses. Mm-hmm. What you have in Jesus uh, is better than what we had in Moses. Uh one of the things, um another thing is it says that he is um better than the priesthood. He's a he's a different and better version of the priesthood than they had in the old testament. Mm-hmm. And so that's not a small thing, right? That's a that's a major thing for them to say, well, the, the whole system, their whole religion is built on priests.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and so now like So when we say that, that Jesus in the New Covenant supersedes these things, it it really means it.
1: Yeah. And there was still a high priest at this time. There was still a temple there. There was still, you know, Judaism is a religion. And it, he's writing to the Hebrews. That's why it's called Hebrews. And so these people are, they become Christians, and they've accepted Christ. And it, it, it was written about 70, A.D., 70. So it's around 35 years after Jesus has died, resurrected, and gone to heaven. Right. So 35 years, and they're waiting for him to return. And um, it sounds like they're kind of getting antsy. <laughs> they're wondering where <laughs> he went. There's this temple right over there that we used to worship at. There's a high priest there right now. Why wouldn't we just go back and worship God the way that we've always worshipped God, the way our ancestors have worshipped? Um. You know, the old covenant, like that was their way of life. It was everything. But then Jesus comes and he's, <laughs> he says, I'm giving you a new covenant. And, you know, the apostles, the people who have seen Jesus face to face, they are telling people about Jesus. But it, you know, it doesn't exactly compare to, you know, the tradition and um, all of the religious leaders who are still there, you know? and And I think that he's trying to make this argument to them, like, don't and the temple's don't go back beautiful. Back
0: to that. I mean the temple mm. is built on a mount. It's mm-hmm. it's the the center of their city. Mm-hmm. I mean um you, you, and and they're all meeting in people's homes. They're meeting in someone's house or a living room or something like that yeah. and there's just the, the difference between their styles of worship. I don't I don't know what a, what a worship service looked like for them, but it must have been very different. It must have right. felt yes. podunk, you know? Yes. Like
1: Well, they were also used to sacrifices. That's another thing that he compares. You know, in Hebrews, he specifically talks about Jesus is the better sacrifice. Right. He was the once-for-all sacrifice. So they might still be offering sacrifices at the temple, and yet God doesn't want you to worship him like that anymore, which also was going to be a really strange idea because that's how he had always wanted to be worshiped, and now he has accepted, you know, the sacrifice of his own son. That's that's the last sacrifice. That's it. There can be no sacrificing of, you know, bulls or rams. Um, right.
0: So, all right. So they have, starts off by saying he's better than the angels. Angels uh, often, especially before Moses, before um, the law was really set and so on. The priesthood was up and running. They, the other word for angel is herald. Just, it's another mm-hmm. way of translating is just a person who brings a message. Like the angels would bring messages to people and that's how they heard from God. Mm-hmm. Jesus is better than them. Uh, then Moses comes along. That's how they heard from God written in stone. Here's the law. It's sure. Um, it's how you know how to live. Um, Jesus is better than him. He gives us even better way to live. And then there's the priesthood, which is um, this is how you worship God. This is, they facilitate your worship to God. And and uh, the author of Hebrews says that Moses, Jesus came along and he's better than that. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the New Testament, there is no book of Leviticus. In the New Testament, there's like Leviticus has this moment Mm -hmm. halfway through where Moses is God has been telling Moses how he wants them to have a worship service for eight chapters or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then it has them turn around and it basically repeats it all because it shows Moses or Aaron and his sons doing everything God said. And then the fire from God comes down, Mm -hmm. burns up the whole sacrifice, and it's super emotional. Everyone. Weeps during the, in the middle of this worship service. It's a, it's an amazing thing because and, and what caused it was them just doing line by line. Here's what I said do, and then at the end of it, voila, God shows up, and we don't have that in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We have places here and there where it talks about how to take communion or how to sing songs with each other or this or whatever, and you know, but we don't have that. Like there's this. It's a different way of worship that Jesus brings along, and it's not based on all that ceremony. Um, And the author of Hebrews points this out in a really weird and obscure way by bringing up a character from the Old Testament. Tell us about that guy.
1: Yeah, he brings up Melchizedek, who was a priest who was mentioned exactly two times in the Old Testament, first in Genesis. Um, where he meets Abraham. He comes out of the blue. We don't know anything about him.
0: Just that he was the king of Salem, which is, we think, short for Jerusalem. What later became Jerusalem, which is kind of interesting. But we don't know anything about him. Yes, keep going, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But we know that Abraham gave him a tithe. Um, So he gave them this huge offering and... Um, you know, in that culture, the lower person, the lesser person, would always give a tithe to the higher person. And at this time, Abraham was a pretty, um, you know, important person. He um, he had a big, big caravans. He had um, hundreds of people. I don't know how many exactly, but right. um, he, he was a big deal <laughs> by this point. And yet Melchizedek is bigger, at least in Abraham's mind. Um, so he gives him a sacrifice, and um, he's also described as a priest. He was a priest and a king, and he's the only other—he's the only character described that way. Oh, a priest, and other a king. than Jesus. Interesting. Um, so he was a priest of the Most High God, is how he was described, and we don't really understand how that is because this is before um, you know the nation of Israel has even been established. But he was a priest and he was a king,
0: and Father Abraham the the other person on Mount Rushmore for the Israelites <laughs> um, meets him and gets this whatever insight that he's actually uh, someone to take note of, right? Like, that's why he, I don't know how that, those interactions worked, but somehow mm-hmm. it became obvious to Abraham, I should be giving honor to this person instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm, yep. And
1: and, but he just comes into the story just like that. That's what happens, and then he disappears. We never hear about him again. It, there's a psalm that mentions him right. um, that David wrote. That
0: psalm 110, I think it is. Yep, 110, uh, 110. Yes,
1: 110. You're right.
0: And it says this really weird line that I can't imagine what any Israelite thought about it, how they, what they thought it could possibly mean but it makes it into the prayer book of the Old Testament, and it says, do you have it there?
1: Yes. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek.
0: Now, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Like, I don't know how an Old Testament person would have translated that or understood that phrase, but what does the author of Hebrews do with that?
1: Well, he says that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek, just like what he says here. The first verse of Psalm 110 says, This is a Psalm of David, the Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So David is also saying, This person he's writing the Psalm about is my Lord. Right, greater than David,
0: which Jesus brings up in when he's being questioned by the Pharisees, yes. he quotes that.
1: Yes, he's he so he's putting himself in. Yeah, Jesus is saying that this psalm was written about me. And then the author of Hebrews brings it up um, that it is Jesus. Jesus is the priest in the order of right Melchizedek.
0: And so what they're saying is, and if, is that Moses through God set up a system of worship that was built on priests and there's one high priest at a time Mm -hmm. and the priests were born into that job. They were the Levites. Mm -hmm. So the Levites were the priesthood and they would, you know, they just, you were born into it and you can trace yourself all the way back to Aaron, the brother of Moses. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And this author of Hebrews comes along and goes, but there's a priesthood that has no lineage. It just mm-hmm. shows up out of the middle of nowhere. And no and and even our father Abraham has to give honor to it. Yes. It's this person named Melchizedek? And Jesus is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. There's no lineage. he's from the tribe of Benjamin, I think Jesus was. And Judah. so he's not he's not a Levite. Right. He's, he's not from the tribe of Judah, but yeah. Judah. And so, um, He shows up, and he just is the high priest because because he is better.
1: Well, I I find the whole concept of having a high priest kind of weird because, um, well, I've never had a high priest. You know, I grew up as a Christian where, um, you know, we have pastors, (laughs) but we don't have priests. We don't have, like, a whole lot of hierarchy, you know. Um, You know, at least, like just regular old evangelical Christians. <laughs> um, but so I, I found it helpful as I was reading the book of Hebrews to think back to who was he writing to. Um, he was writing to a group of people who were coming out of the Jewish faith, and so they would have um, probably been been really comforted by this idea of Jesus being their high priest who is actually accessible. Um, Because they always had a lot of layers that they had to work through to get to God. Um, Mm, You know, to present their worship unto God, they had to bring sacrifices to the temple. But they weren't even the ones that offered the sacrifices. The priests offered the sacrifices for them. There was a high priest who would go into the most holy place only once a year to be in the presence of God and to make atonement for everyone's sins and... Um, but, but now what he's saying is that Jesus is our great high priest and you don't go through a temple. You don't even go through another person. Jesus is here with you, right? We know that we have the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit and we don't have to go anywhere to be with Jesus, to, Be in his presence; he's just there, and that's a really. I I imagine it would have been a really strange idea to them, to just know we have this high priest, and I can talk to him anytime. I can approach him. The idea of like just approaching God, um, would have probably been really strange. Right.
0: (laughs) But the Book of Hebrews actually says you can approach the throne of God with confidence. Yes. Which is funny because. The high priest famously would have to, that one time a year, he could go in the most holy place where he, where he, that's, that was approaching God to go into the most holy place. They tied a rope to his ankle, right? Mm-hmm. Because if he did something wrong and he died, everyone's nervous he might die. And they're like, well, we can't go in there and get him if he dies. Yep. And Hebrews is going, well, now, now we can, um, we can approach the throne with confidence, because Jesus is our high priest, and he loves us. Um, read the passage on, on uh, from chapter 4 that you found.
1: This is chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet what was was without sin let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need
0: yeah and so what he says is let us hold firmly to the faith we profess so this whole thing every time these are not just academic exercises for for Christians to understand every time they come he keeps coming back to all right now let's let's keep pressing Mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. Don't turn back. Mm -hmm. Um, He he says in the next chapter, chapter 511, it says, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and, and patience inherit what has been promised. And so he keeps coming back to this idea of I know you're tempted to turn away now. I know mm-hmm. there are things in this world that you're that you would love to go chasing after, but let's stick to the, the mm-hmm. plan here. Um, and the last one that I think, um, is it, maybe there's some more in here, but the last big one that I, I would, I think is, he goes from angels to Moses to the the priesthood, and then the priests part of their worship was offering sacrifices for atonement of the sins and Jesus is even a better sacrifice mm-hmm. than those um, what is what does Hebrews have to say about Jesus as a sacrifice?
1: Um, well in the Old Testament you would have to come and offer sacrifices, all the time. I mean, there were daily sacrifices, but also if you found out that you had committed a sin, you would come and offer a sacrifice, um, you know, out of repentance and worship to God. And God is now saying that is all over. Um, now there is a new covenant and Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. He shed his blood, um, but this was not the blood of a bull. This was not the blood of a ram. This was a, um, a fully human man um, who lived a perfect and blameless life, um, and he was killed. His blood poured out, and um, that sacrifice is now um, standing between us and God. Right. He he offered the sacrifice that we cannot offer, because all of those all those old sacrifices of animals, um, they were a stand-in for our own blood, right? Because right. what God actually requires as justice would be our own lives, um, yeah, because right. we have sinned, we have fallen short, and we deserve death. Um, and Jesus comes and stands in between and says, instead. Of her life being up on this altar is going to be mine, hmm. and it's once and for all, so there's no more sacrifices. There's, what's the point? What's the point of offering a bull when you already had Jesus, right? Um, and so,
0: yeah, he actually and and the, yeah, and they're not making light of the Old Testament, they're saying that there's something even better than the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right. And he says in chapter ten, verse eleven, he says day after day the priest stands and and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest has offered, uh, but but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and he's and they're going. He's going look. The priests held stood in the gap for a long time. They stood mm-hmm. there on behalf of the people of God for a long time, but something but something better came right, and and all this leads in all this theological discussion where they do keep coming back to this idea of pre- perseverance. It leads to this high point high point of the book of Hebrews that the part that everybody loves, the part that you're going to hear a lot in sermons and all that sort of stuff, which is chapters eleven and twelve. And this is the part, all this part that everybody loves is built on all this stuff that comes beforehand because, like you said earlier, I don't remember, you told me this earlier today at some point, you said the book of Hebrews seems to be one big long argument that he keeps making and coming back to over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so what is this high point? What's the, what's the high point? What's this all leading to here in chapters 11 and 12?
1: Well, I think he's trying to say that um, it's almost—it's almost like he's been talking down the old covenant and the old Jewish traditions for this whole time, kind of saying, you know, like they're—they're they're completely gone, they're obsolete, they don't matter anymore. Um, and now, in in chapter eleven, he kind of takes a turn and he—he he starts talking about faith, um, and he starts to give all of these examples of faith that are all from the Old Testament. Right. And um, it's just by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham and Moses. And he is showing you that all of these people had faith in God before they even knew what the end result was going to be. Each one of these people saw a very tiny part of God's plan, um, Moses got to see the promised land, but he didn't get hmm. to enter it. <laughs> yeah, um, David got promised that um, there would always be a king on his throne, but he didn't understand the extent of that. Um, and we, sitting on the other side of it now, we can see it. Like we we have seen Jesus, um, and he is what was promised. He is the fulfillment. But all of these people, um, anyway, they ha- it's just that they had faith in things that they had not seen. They had this faith from afar. And now we are going to experience challenges to our own faith in this life. We are going to go through trials. These Hebrews were going through trials at the time. They were being persecuted. But they can look back and see they have this lineage, this history. He calls it a cloud of witnesses, and that cloud is surrounding them. And they all had faith, and now we must have faith just like they have. Yeah. And we have an even better promise, right? Like we know. We know the end of the story now. We're still waiting on Jesus to come back, you know, for a second time. But they had faith. Um. You know, God counted them as righteous for their faith and now we have we should have that same kind of faith he's giving this as a great encouragement to us look at all of these people who did it you can have that kind of faith now you have Jesus now you have the Holy Spirit so whatever it is that you're gonna endure in this life you can you can endure it
0: at one hand on one hand he goes we have something better than they do. So let's not turn away because we have something better. But the other, on the other hand, he goes, don't turn away now because you you were coming from this lineage of people and all of those people are Old Testament people, you know. And and I think it's Hebrews, it's a verse that I love, so I quote it a lot, but it says like uh, they saw what God's plan was mm-hmm. like at a distance, like they could wait, they could greet it from far away um but we actually have it you know what i mean like we it's it's here with us and and he's going these people had a little bit of information they had a little bit of knowledge of god they had what was not as good as what you and i have but that was enough for them to be faithful to the end to persevere mm-hmm. and now i'm calling you let's keep going take mm-hmm. off all those things the sin that so easily entangles the things that that just drag us down. Let's get rid of it so we can run the race, and 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 persevere to the end. Um, let us use this once for all sacrifice of Jesus. Let, him, let the fact that He's better than the angels and Moses and the Old Testament and and the the priesthood. <clears throat> let us take that as an anchor for our soul, so we don't get tossed around by this world. Like, let's let's go. Let's go do this thing. And um, it, you see that at the end there, that he actually has a very high view of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And, but even, all that does is just give an even higher level of, a higher view of the grace of God and, and what the gospel offers us. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's amazing. Thank, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Would you have any thoughts on how someone should approach the Book of Hebrews if they wanted to read it for themselves?
1: Yes. Um, I, I well, I was thinking throughout this whole conversation we had that I really love talking about this with you, and it's it's just so encouraging just to sit here and talk about Hebrews. And we both read it a lot. Um, I mean, we both both of us we've read the Bible a lot. We've been Christians for a long time, and the thing I started being afraid of is that what if somebody's listening to this podcast thinking, oh, wow, I'm not at that level. I wouldn't know any of this stuff (laughs) about Hebrews or about whatever book of the Bible going in. And I would love to just offer a word of encouragement to anybody who thinks, you know, anybody who hasn't really read the Bible all that much. Maybe you're going to be opening it up and and trying to read it for the first time. If you want to... you know, if you want to learn how to read your Bible, that's where I want at my Bible study. <laughs> I don't I don't care if you've oh, ever done yeah. it before. Um, if you have been reading it you know for your entire life, like that's great. I want you there too. But um, we have I, I feel like we have a really great mix of people who come and and talk, you know. And a lot of people, it is their first time reading through these books. It's their first time talking to other people about them and i think it's a really beautiful thing um just to start doing it and i think it takes a little bit of courage because uh you don't want to seem dumb or foolish right. because right. we open up this book and i don't understand everything that's in it i you know i i just i don't and Even this time reading Hebrews, I feel like I understood it better than I ever have before. And I'm so grateful for that time that we had talking about it with those women because it really did open my eyes to so many parts of Hebrews that I hadn't ever seen before. Um, But you, you just have to start, you know, wherever you are. If you're feeling discouraged or you're feeling like this sounds like it'll be just too hard or it's above my level, like... Um, it's not, (laughs) it's, Mm. you know, we come and we usually read it out loud together. So you don't even have to prepare beforehand. Um, you can, I try to give you the chapters beforehand so that you can read them on your own. um, and you know, and feel a little bit more prepared if you can, but I just want it to be open to anyone. And so my encouragement in reading the book of Hebrews is just to open up and read it any book of the Bible, just open it up and read it. And you don't have to read another book about it. You don't have to listen to podcasts about it. While you can, um, they're just not necessary. And if you read through it and you think, man, I did not get most of that. Maybe you feel like you didn't get any of it. That's okay. Open it up the next day and read it again. And his word does not return void. So no matter who is opening up this book, if you are reading his words, they are going to be doing something in your heart. And it just takes a little bit of courage and some diligence to do it.
0: So would you say when reading Hebrews, it would be, there's 13 chapters in it. Um, would it be better to read it over 13 days or during... Two sittings where you take, I'll take the first half now and just kind of, because they're not long chapters. And so it's not the longest reading in the world, but it's one of the longer, it's it's on mm-hmm. the longer side. So, like, if you ever wanted to say, hey, here's, you want to read a book, read James, it's five chapters, right. you'll mm-hmm. get through it in 30 minutes or whatever. Would it be better just to say, here, t- set it aside two times of, of reading for a good little chunk of time to, to get through it? quickly or would you say it'd be better to uh, just do a chapter a day and you know
1: I would say open it up and read it and I don't care how much you read it just (laughs) depends because you're going to get different things if you do sit down and read six chapters at one time I think you're going to notice different things than if you only read half of a chapter and I think that's fine it's okay um there is no one right way to read the Bible um the one wrong way to do it is just to not read it. Um, (laughs) That's right. So just just read it, and however much time you have. You know, I am a mom with a a lot of young kids right now, and I don't have a lot of time where I just get to, like, sit down and read. And so I just take what I can get, (laughs) and I try to just, I think God understands that. God understands where you are in your life, and he is going to meet you with what you give him.
0: You know, I heard someone say, um, th- this lady was talking about reading Plato or someone like that, and I've not read Plato, <laughs> mm-hmm. but what she said was, you know, there's a lot of books out there that, w- or podcasts that will help you understand Plato, and these are the people that, these people will Will bring it down to your level and make Plato understandable. And she goes, mm-hmm. you know, Plato's a lot more understandable than you think you would be. Just read Plato. Mm-hmm. And so, I think a lot of times people walk into to the Bible and they go, well, I just got to let me just have someone else explain it to me. Mm-hmm. And you might just open up the Bible and you go, oh, actually, that's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. That's great. And and you'll probably get you'll probably leave going that was actually better. Uh, a better use of my time than I thought it would be because I just didn't know what to expect. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm discovering this all the time. I'm reading CS Lewis Four loves and it's a book I've known has been, I've, I've known about it for a decade, you know? Um, but I just, am, just now I'm getting around to reading it. I and mean, you open up the book and you go, you assume, you know, what you're going to be getting your hands on when you read CS Lewis, but the things he's covering are just, they're amazing. You're like, wow, I would not have predicted this to be what I'm reading about right now. And so I think you're right. I think it's nice to listen to podcasts about it and all that sort of stuff, but if you just open it, read some portion of it, you will get something out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you'll understand it more than you think you would if you're new to reading the Bible. So um, now they're now taking a break from doing uh book studies of the bible and they're doing more of a book club type thing at this moment um mm-hmm. you they're doing a book called mere motherhood Is risen right? motherhood risen motherhood and you've read that book before right yes and so uh tell us a little bit about that book and and whether or not it's a worthwhile read for people
1: <laughs> risen motherhood it's a book about uh applying the gospel to your motherhood and um the authors go through um, a lot of different kind of subjects, different things that we deal with as mothers and talk about how you can apply the gospel to a lot of different, um, just a lot of different things in your life. And and they kind of show how as we apply the gospel to our lives, it it does not give you just um, like an exact formula or, an, or a checklist. It's not like the old covenant that was a <laughs> list of rules. Um, but it's a new thing. Um, and God is going to actually work in each of our lives differently, but he's going to use the gospel to do it. And so it, it, I think it opens up great discussions for, for mothers definitely, but we actually have some people who are not moms who are still, um, doing the book with us. And, um, I don't think it's, it's, you know, exclusive to motherhood because it is so much about the gospel and applying it in different ways, just really practically to your life. Um, So I think it's, it's um, a great book. And what I love most about the book is that it helps you to have conversations that maybe you wouldn't have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so there's a real like just beauty in that. So.
0: All right. Um, Well, I thought this was amazing. Thank you for being a part of this because I know you, probably deeper down did not want to be a mm-hmm. part of it <laughs> and um, um i didn't twist your arm that that aren't your arm too hard to do it get you on here though um well thank you for being uh here megan i hope you had fun
1: thank you for having me it was great
0: anytime <laughs> um that's the show everybody this is trenches podcast and i'm garrett huxford see you next week